Hello and welcome to DealCast, the weekly M&A podcast presented to you by Merger Market and SS&C Intralinks. I'm Juliana Needham, a business journalist who's been covering M&A for a decade. In this episode, we're hearing about the new Chinese listing rules and what it means for Chinese companies looking to list overseas. Plus, finding out about the latest about what's going on with Alibaba and its founder, Jack Ma. Joining me is Peres Lee, ECM Asia Editorial and Insights Director. Hi, Peres. Thanks very much for joining me today. Thank you, Juliana. Good to see you again. So let's start with looking at the changes to Chinese listing rules. Firstly, can you just outline why they've been introduced, please? Okay, so Chinese IPO market is actually very interesting, right? Uh, you, they, they can be split into, uh, like, you know, two, two portions. One being the domestic Asia, you know, on, we also call it onshore markets. And the other one is a, uh, it's a huge chunk, you know, which is the Chinese companies being listed overseas. But let's, have a look at, uh, you know, what happens domestically. So, um, we understand that, you know, since year, uh, 20, year, uh, 2000. So, um, you know, there's a huge wave for Chinese tech companies, you know, going public in overseas, which means the f- first wave of like Chinese tech unicorns, they are all pretty much all listed overseas. And now, you know, when we come, Fast forward to 2023. So there's a, you know, Chinese, every country is trying to groom its new, uh, new tech companies, you know, new AI companies, new, uh, like, uh, self-driving, you know, technology companies. So there's apparent, apparent intention with the Chinese government, with Beijing to keep these companies within its own country and, you know, so that, you know, they can groom the company and which in a way to also give the government more control over the companies, you know, as a result. So here, and I believe that sort of, you know, gives some kind of context for why they come up with new set of, you know, listing rules for both, you know, onshore and offshore listings. And so let's take a look at what happens with the onshore listing. So, to, um, I almost said tomorrow, but I, what I'm talking about is March 31st. So there'll be, uh, this news will go effective. You know, there's a blanket rules covering both onshore listings and, and, and offshore listings for onshore or Asia listings being the, you know, com- Chinese companies listed in domestic exchanges. That's including Shanghai exchange, Shenzhen exchange, and the newest exchange being the Beijing exchange. In the past, there was this, uh, you know, every company that wanted to get listed in, in China, they have to go through this painful review process with the regulator. And based on our system, we, uh, the review process, you know, for domestic listings, right? Um, in, under the existing system, uh, it, it, the review takes about almost, uh, 600 days. Wow. So nearly two years. Exactly. Uh, it's quite long. So, um, so the new system, uh, which, uh, they, uh, which is a, um, file, uh, which is a registration based system is basically identical to what, uh, you know, is what, uh, the U.S., um, what have, uh, the, the U.S. system, uh, being the registration system. So it makes it easier for companies, uh, to get listed. But, you know, once you get listed, everything, every subsequent move you plan to do, fundraising, M&A, will be subject to, uh, I would say, stricter, you know, government scrutiny. So that's actually quite a, um, 
positive, you know, direction for Chinese uh, listings because you know that that in a way, you know, aligned um, brings China, you know, more in line or aligned with uh, the you know the Western or global practices. Yes, and then uh, we okay, but this um uh. Fast, uh, fast track, uh, registration, registration based system is actually not new, uh, to, um, it's not like, you know, new, new to Chinese investors or Chinese market. It has been, you know, tested in the, uh, in the sub exchanges in China, including the Star Exchange in, of Shanghai Exchange. Star Exchange is, is actually a, a smaller board, you know, of the Shanghai Exchange that, that's, uh, you know, uh, that's a home to the you know tech companies, a newer tech company in Shanghai, and then so it has been tested with the Beijing Exchange. It has been tested with the uh, Shenzhen Chinese Exchange as well. So based on the uh, our data, uh, the timeline you know, required from filing to listing with um, this new system um, in the past last uh if you look at the ipo that happened last year so they took about 345 days that's almost a year so that's you know pretty much in the half of what you take you know for uh listing with the major exchanges so it, it, it's not particularly fast but it's double the speed for uh, compared to the previous system Correct, correct, correct. I think about uh, like, you know, at the time like this, right, two years versus one year, you know, and a lot of things could happen. So I think like shorten the time by half means a lot to the companies. So Paris, that is the domestic IPOs. Can we look at the rules for overseas IPOs, particularly in relation to American depository receipts or ADRs? That market's largely been shut for the last few years. Can you explain why it's been closed and what's changed now? Sure. Uh, thank you, Juliana. That's a very uh, good question. I think a very timely as well, as, uh, especially as, you know, the new rules will go effective on the 31st of March, which uh, just, you know, like uh, less than 24 hours from now. So, yes, the market has been largely shut down. If you look at the numbers, right, we, we do have data here. Year to date, right, how much, um, like, you know, we have seen only 10, you know, ADR, Chinese ADRs getting listed and they raised a total of barely 400 million U.S. dollars. So last year, well, that was when the market was largely frozen. The whole Chinese ADR market was, uh, the, the, the new, new ADRs were, they priced only of uh, 540 million. That's very little compared with you know, the, uh, the good old days, right? Uh, the record year being 2014, when Chinese ADRs raised a total of $29 billion in true IPOs. So, um, what happened to this ADR market? Um, so, um, since 2000, uh, a lot of these Chinese companies, um, and because of like the various, uh, you know, regulations, they were not subject, they were not allowed to be invested by foreign companies. So the ADRs are a mechanism to allow Chinese companies to list their shares in, in America. Uh, it's actually the VIE structure, right? So they ad- adopted this uh, VIE or variable uh, interest entity structure. So what, ha- what uh, happens with this VIE structure is that, you know, these Chinese companies, including Alibaba, Baidu, Tencent, JD.com, everyone. So they use the VIE structure, which is um, they, they uh, set up a VIE entity. Uh, in such places as Cayman Island. And then they use that entity to get listed in the U.S. so they can access, you know, like, uh, like, uh, overseas or foreign investors money. So that has been in place since year 2000. The VA structure was first adopted in 2000. 
But that's a gray area because you know, the Chinese regulator didn't recognize the existence of VI structure. And so they had nothing to do with uh, this, um, you know, this company's you know, financial reports whatsoever. Um, and that also become a problem for the U.S. regulator. And then uh, things get really, really bad in 2000. 21 after DD choosing, right? Which is China's Uber raised uh, like 4.4 plus billion from a, a ADR, uh, IPO. That deal had, um, definitely made uh, Chinese regulators very unhappy because, uh, there was at, you know, tension, there was, that happened, uh, that happened when tensions between US and, and China got really, really, ten- uh, bad. And then, so there, uh, and that deal also carries, you know, uh, cybersecurity concerns. And then, so, um, so since then, so both, uh, the regulators, you know, started to question the, uh, the VI structure. Uh, so it takes, you know, the Chinese regulator about two years time to come up with what to do with VI structure. So from, uh, 31st March, you know, Chinese regulator will recognize the VI structure, which means that, uh, they will, you know, they will provide some kind of legal framework for these VIE entities to continue to exist. But however, they will also be subject to Chinese regulations for the first time. And I'm guessing it means that Chinese companies can now access the global liquidity markets a, a bit more easily than they have been able to for the past couple of years. In a very selective manner, I would say, because uh, think about this, uh, you know, this huge, uh, regulatory machine of China, right? So, uh, there are definitely, uh, considerations. I wouldn't say calculations, considerations, you know, in the mind of the Chinese regulators about, um, why am I, um, going to recognize or do this very structure? They must, they have, they have to serve the national interest. So, um, by recognizing their structure, it also, you know, give the Chinese regulators some kind of power to decide which industry can go public and which industry you should stay at home. So from the past, um, actually there was this very interesting deal in that happened in February. There was a leader, which is a, you know, sensor technology being used by self-driving uh, cars, uh, a company uh, that developed the, the technology Hersine. They raised almost 200 million from the ADR, from ADR uh, pricing uh, in, 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 in February. So that deal um, sends a very clear signal to the market that, okay, China doesn't want to shut down the ADR market. But it wanted to exist in a way that, you know, fits or suits the China's national interest. So from, we, so we have checked with, you know, IPO market, uh, bankers and, and lawyers. So, um, we find out, um, that, so yes, uh, with self-driving, uh, technologies, since, uh, there's a very mature pool of investors and money ready for this, for the sector in the U.S. So China is okay with these sectors, you know, going public in the U.S. But with the other company, uh, the other sectors, you know, new, new, I'm, I'm talking about the other subsectors uh, within the tech, you know, uh, ecosystem. For example, the advanced chip uh, makers, China definitely would like them to uh, stay, you know, within the within the border. Great, thank you. And just keeping an eye on the time, um, we we've got a couple more things to cover. So it sounds like now the American depository receipts system has has been fixed. But there's another type of depository receipts, the GDRs, that have uh, hit a bit of a problem. Can you briefly outline what has happened there, please? Okay, sure. So uh, these uh, GDR markets, right? Uh, I'm t- we talk- here we're talking about the 
uh, GDR that are listed in Switzerland because uh, China set up uh, there's this uh, China Switzerland connect that you know become effective uh, last year so uh, within a year's time so that that market you know uh, when it first started um, people were like you know there will be very uh, secondary because compared with ADRs but because ADR market wasn't functioning at that time so we have seen a very steady flow of uh, GDR uh, listings of Chinese companies um, since then. So, but that has become a problem for Chinese domestic investors because a lot of investors in these Chinese GDRs, they are hedge funds based in Hong Kong. So for hedge funds investing in these GDRs, we, can, you know, we all know what hedge funds are doing. Uh, there's a lot of tra- arbitrages, which means that so they buy the GDRs and then um, so after the four months lockup, they convert the GDRs into domestic shares in the in domestic China, and then they will sell the shares. And think about it. So a lot of these GDR issuers, they were already listed in China. So for them to list in the Switzerland, they have to issue the GDRs at a discount. So there's a price discount there. So once they so that means they buy the GDRs cheap, and then when they convert into Chinese ADR shares, you know they can sell the price, sell at higher prices. So there's this arbitrage gains for hedge fund investors, but because of this uh, conversion into A shares, the uh, that actually you know put a lot of downward pressure on on the share prices at home, and so that has triggered a lot of complaints from Chinese domestic investors. So Chinese regulator, this is some kind of unexpected outcome for Chinese regulators. So they since uh. The last, uh, the final quarter of last year, so they sort of slowed down the reviews of uh, GDR applications. So there's something that so we are, you know, keen to see, like you know, how China managed to get around this um, uh, predicament and how to uh, and while, while keeping, you know, uh, the 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 uh, Switzerland Connect uh, alive. So Paris, this conversation today wouldn't be complete without talking about Alibaba. Alibaba's just recently returned to the spotlight and its founder Jack Ma has also re-emerged. So what is the plan for Alibaba? Where's Jack Ma been and, and what does it mean for other Chinese conglomerates? Yes, Jack Ma has pretty much you know, stayed very low-key the past uh, few years. That's after he ran into this uh, controversies uh, uh, with uh, the Chinese government. After he criticised the uh, you know, regulators um, you know, uh, in late 2020. So, um, so yeah, it took, uh, Alibaba about more than two years to come up with this, ma- this major restructuring plan, uh, that was announced, um, like two days ago. So under the new plan, you know, uh, the 260 billion conglomerate will be split into six business units and Alibaba itself will become the holding company and they will let the six units go on public separately and Alibaba will decide over time whether to, you know, to remain, to maintain the control with it with a six business units. This is essentially, you know, decentralize the Alibaba group's operations, which, uh, which helps you know, the government in a way allays the concerns about mo- monopoly concerns uh, on the, on the, on the part of Chinese regulators. And this is quite important because like this is for, for the first time in, Chinese capitalism history, we see such a major restructuring of the tech giant. So people are able to find out if this can provide some kind of a template for other tech companies. And so where will Jack Ma fit into the new Alibaba? Okay, so pretty much Jack Ma will uh, let the six business units have their own boards, have their own CEOs. So he will basically, you know, essentially take a step back, you know, uh, so uh, 
he will still oversee the, the empire for sure, but he will not be as involved he, as he was you know, in the daily operations or strategies of the six units. Great. Paris, good to chat. Thanks very much. That was Paris Lee, ECM Asia Editorial and Insights Director. Thanks for listening to this episode of Dealcast presented by Merger Market and SS&C Intralinks. Please rate, review and follow the podcast. You'll find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or look out for your Merger Market news alert. For more information about what we've been discussing, have a look at the show notes. Join us again next week. 